0: If you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.
1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Baseball America Draft Podcast. I'm Carlos Colazo, joined by Peter Flaherty, uh, the young stud here that we have covering college baseball, covering the draft. Been really excited to hop on a podcast with Peter for the first time here at Baseball America. I'm not sure if this is his podcast debut at Baseball America. I know him and Teddy have been working on some college podcasts as well, more focused on the competitive environment of college baseball. Um, but I'm excited to have you on here, Peter, and to, to get you onto the audio feed of Baseball America and to just talk draft with you. So how are you doing, first of all? How awesome. The I'm, rest of the season?
2: I'm awesome. It's been awesome getting back into the college baseball swing of things, watching all these guys, both. The 23 eligible the 24 eligible some freshmen have stood out and then also just from an overall landscape perspective there have been a lot of teams that have stood out so i'm excited and i'm i'm even more excited to make my ba podcast debut depending on which one comes out first this could be my debut or be yeah. my
1: second one but maybe i'll have to ask when teddy's releasing the college one and and just schedule this one for like a minute earlier so <laughs> absolutely so you're first on this one but um uh, Peter, you, you spent some time in the Cape Cod League prior to working at Baseball America, but I wanted to basically allow you to introduce yourself to the listeners and to the BA subscribers, kind of give a, a, a potted bio of, of where you come from, what you've done before, what your experiences were. Um, yeah, just let you kind of take the floor and, and tell us a little bit about your background.
2: Sure. So I'm from Boston, Mass., born and raised. Um, Grown up around the game of baseball. My dad played at the Division One level at Holy Cross. So from really from birth, I always had a bat and a ball in my hands. I always had on nesting with the Red Sox and and grew up around the game. And then I was fortunate enough my family had a summer home on the Cape. So we'd always go down there and it was in Katuit. So I spent a lot of time around Lowell Park, uh, where the Katoot Cataliers play and around Coach Roberts growing up around him, having him as a mentor. And I, I went to their camps and I found out pretty quick I wasn't going to be good enough to actually play for the Cadillacs when I grew up, but I wanted to stay involved in the game as best as in, in as big a capacity as I could. So found out about the GM internship um, about my sophomore year of high school and kind of circled that for something to apply for as I headed into college. I applied and was fortunate enough to get it. And I like to think I hit the ground running. I was able to build relationships with scouts, advisors, and coaches, identifying players to put together for the, um, for the Ketaliers team. And that was it kind of was a the, the best moment of that was the championship in 2019 and winning a ring and eventually worked my way into director of baseball operations status, which, really was the same thing on a day-to-day duty basis, just a different title. So um, did that for a little. And I was also an associate scout for the Yankees under Matt Hyde, the Northeast area guy for a couple of years, um, was really just an extra set of eyes in the Northeast forum at the college and prep level, ran the area code tryouts, identified guys to invite to the area code tryouts. And then I also put together the underclass area code teams, which featured guys like Cole Young, Pax and Kling, um, and a lot of others. So I'm fortunate enough to have had a really, I think, great career so far in baseball. And Mm -hmm. I I hope to to do it until I literally physically can't anymore. So,
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool to think that a lot of those area codes teams that I was watching and covering for Baseball America a few years ago, and even this past year, you had your hands in in the underclass teams and the the, uh, Northeast area code team uh, for the current year it's cool to think that you're basically putting those teams together. Uh, And here we are on a podcast together, both working for Baseball America. Mine is very similar to yours. I I loved playing and realized I wasn't going to be able to play. And now uh, we're both getting paid to watch baseball and talk about baseball and write baseball. So uh, clearly you did something right, Peter. I think uh, it's fun to do. I'm excited to dive into a few players. Um, But I guess let's let's talk about some players who've impressed you the most so far. And, And you talked about watching 2023 players, watching 2024, and even some freshmen. Uh, you clearly have your eyes on all of these draft classes as someone who's just taking in a lot of college baseball overall. Uh, I know you've probably seen as many games as, I would guess, as many games as anyone in the country at this point, just given how much grinding you've been doing, just just taking it all in. Who, who are some players who have impressed you the most so far this year? It's only two weeks, uh, so I guess we don't want to go too crazy overboard but I feel like especially with pitchers you can still tell quite a bit in in the first few outings I mean stuff changes quickly these players all develop uh very quickly um so who's jumped out to you so far
2: yeah I was gonna say on the pitching side you can tell a little bit more than the hitters because you know some of these teams on the that these guys play on that we'll talk about they they face lesser competition so you can only tell so much from the hitters in terms of what they're facing stuff wise uh they don't really have to have as sharp an approach or whatever it might be. But pitchers, you can, even against lesser competition, you can see how the ball's coming out of their hands, see what their stuff looks like, command their feel for the pitches. And so with that being said, the first guy that I'm really, really excited about is Sean Sullivan from Wake Forest, the Northwestern transfer. He's been nearly perfect in his first couple of outings. He's won back-to-back ACC pitchers of the week. 6'4", 180, starter profile. The easy comp is and that's been thrown around a lot recently is cooper jerpy maybe a couple
1: ticks less of velo don't don't tell jeff Ponce that he's gonna be very <laughs> too excited
2: um but he's just been super super impressive uh again appealing body delivery is is almost kind of controlled chaos he's got limbs mm-hmm. flying at you but it's a delivery he repeats well throws from a really tough slot especially for left-handed hitters mm-hmm. and the ball just explodes out of his hand the velo right now isn't anything that would blow you away on a radar gun but how it plays is really really special and this Mm -hmm. year through two outings he's got a ridiculous 56 percent whiff rate on just his fastball (laughs) which is just like I mean he's just been dominating with an
1: 87 to 91 mile an hour fastball I feel like that whiff rate uh, on any pitch is impressive but when you talk about a 90 mile per hour fastball Mm -hmm. I know Jeff was just talking earlier today and I'm, I'm sure the numbers are different when you go from college to pro, but he was talking about a player who had a, a whiff rate North of 30% being impressive on a fastball. So 50% is just outrageous so far, especially once you consider the velocity. Um, I mean, you wrote about him in our college hot sheet most recently, which basically goes over 20 standouts from, from the past week. That's a piece that we're doing throughout the season. And we're excited about and, and just the the slot and the deception delivery Uh, It sounds exciting. And and so far it's played like that.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, that's what's super impressive is, is the velocity. It's not like he's 93 Mm -hmm. to 96. It's upper 80s, low 90s. And you kind of have to assume he's going to add at least a few ticks. There's some, his body, he's still got some room to fill out. Um, And he's commanded all three of his pitches well. It's mainly fastball slider chain. He's relied really heavily on the fastball, just Mm -hmm. dominating with it. But, his slider also profiles as a potential out pitch once we get into ACC play mm-hmm. and against stiffer competition. I think it's a pitch that he'll use more and he'll need more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've just been super, super impressed with Sullivan, and I will get into him later when we talk about some of our favorite guys for the draft class. But he's a guy that I think could be an impact arm at the big league level down the road.
1: Yeah, that's um, a great one. Um, I think just from my perspective, one of the guys who immediately jumped out and I I haven't even seen him in person. I went to Texas the first weekend to watch uh, the college baseball showdown and there are some players who stood out that we'll get into. But I think in terms of like the 2023 draft class right now at the very top, the player that I've heard the most buzz about, uh, and I'm curious if you think there's another player who's had more like excitement just in terms of like impact at the top of the draft class right now is Louisiana State right-hander Paul Skeens. I mean, we had heard really loud stuff about him this past fall just how good he looked on the mound how many home runs he was hitting the 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 power that he was showing in batting practices and scrimmages and all of that has translated to what he's done so far he sat in the upper 90s with his fastball Uh, the slider is maybe the biggest difference in in what he's shown so far this year over two starts compared to last year because i mean we're not talking about a player that we had off the radar he came in as um, a consensus first teamer on our preseason college team as a utility player. He was ranked in the top 15 uh, on the college list. I think after the the fall buzz, we tried to bump him up a little bit. But I think with a lot of the fall buzz, we don't want to go too crazy um, because you'll hear about this any given year, and, and sometimes it'll translate and sometimes it won't. But everything I feel like that we heard from the fall has, has absolutely been the case for him. Through his two starts, he threw against... Western Michigan and Kansas State as the Friday night starter for LSU. 12 innings, 23 strikeouts, 3 walks, and the slider has been a little bit harder. It has been uh, more RPMs on the pitch, and just the, the depth and the horizontal break of the pitch I feel like is pretty significantly stepped forward. It, it looked, just visually, it looked like it was moving a lot more, and then we got our hands on some some numbers to compare to what he did last year. Uh, and and that's kind of borne out in the numbers itself. But I mean, it wouldn't be crazy to me if someone thought he was just the best pitcher in the class right now, even after all the talk we had about Chase Dolander kind of being the consensus top guy entering the year. Where are you at with Paul Skeens? I was going
2: to say there was something you said in there that I I think describes his status perfectly was he was firmly on the radar. Everyone's radar. Skeens made himself a household name um, as a true freshman at Air Force. But um, in terms of being the first overall draft selection, I think he's a guy that even in just two starts has joined Cruz and Langford um, in that, like, who are you going to take one, one kind of tier. Mm-hmm. Um, the slider, like you said, is the, I think the biggest development with him and a testament to what coach West Johnson can do with really good clay, like skeins and other arms that they have coming through and will come through Um and it grades out in just watching his two starts. I hadn't seen him in person. I watched both um, just via a stream. And yeah, it,
1: that's what I did as well.
2: And it looks like a 70 grade pitch. Like I would be comfortable sticking at least a 65 on it, probably a 70. Um, it's mm-hmm. got a lot more horizontal. Before this year, it was a little bit more of like a cutter slide type of deal. Yep. Um, but now it is firmly at plus, probably a double plus pitch the fastball velo has he's been able to maintain it through an outing and through multiple trips through an order like his first start he was in february when in in a cold weather start mm-hmm. he was up to 98 on his 98th pitch of the day which he dotted for his 12th strikeout yeah, so
1: that's what that's what impressed me about him it impressed me about hagen smith who we can get into a little bit later as well it it's almost shocking to me how easy some of these guys have been able to hold their velocity because i was watching and i think it was the first start of the year in the fifth inning, he was still sitting 96, 97 consistently, and it didn't seem very effortful at all. I don't, I don't think Skeens is ever a guy who's had massive effort in the delivery, but it looked a little easier and a little looser than it did for me last summer. And just the fact that he was able to hold it, I mean, I guess there is a chance that it, it'll tick down as we move throughout the year. But he's a big, strong player. He's got he's got ton of mass behind it. The operation looks good. He's a good mover on the mound. Um, it's it's huge up arrows for for Paul Skeens at this point.
2: Yeah, I was going to say there's ease of operation. He's athletic. um, The intangibles are off the charts with the 80 makeup. Um, I think that if you're kind of trying to identify your surest bet for a number one or number two starter in this draft class down the road at the major league level, I have to think that at this point, Skeens is one of, if not the first name that you're going to bring up. So,
1: Yeah, with that, kind of saying that, how do you compare and contrast him to a uh, Chase Dolander? Because it always is a bit jarring to me after spending like an entire offseason, and especially in a, w- with the case of Dolander, who didn't pitch this past summer, when you're hearing about how just kind of slam-packed this guy is at the very top of the board, it was pretty easy consensus from all the industry feedback we got that it was Dolander and Cruz at the very top of this class. Dolander was clearly the top pitching prospect. He was one of the better pitching pros, and still is, I think one of the better pitching prospects we've had in years. How quickly do you think it can move uh, from your perspective on, on kind of reordering those players and, and how would you say uh, Dolander has looked for the first, I don't know if you've been able to watch both his starts. I was able to, to watch them just over on Synergy. Uh and I'm I guess I'm kind of waiting for the slider to sharpen up a bit, but in terms of velocity and performance, he's been good, but Skeens has been great, I would say.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say I think it's less Dolander not being his sharp self and more just Skeens being like unbelievable yeah. and taking a massive step forward. So I don't think I don't think it's anything Dolander has done or hasn't done and more just a byproduct of how Skeens has looked. But in my looks at Dolander, he was outstanding against Dayton, um, a little less sharp against Arizona. But again, it's
1: mm-hmm.
2: first start of the year. You're playing on a pretty big stage. Arizona's a good team. There are a lot of factors at play. Yeah. Um, I'd say the main thing that stood out to me is fastball shape is obviously still elite. It's, a, it's an elite pitch. His stuff is still fantastic. The slider has been a little bit more inconsistent than I think that anyone would have hoped. Um, I think it's still a plus pitch for him, but I'm waiting for that one outing where it just is Mm -hmm. dialed in as we had seen in the past with, yeah, I agree
1: with you on the slider there. I think against Dayton, um, he gave up a home run early in the outing and it was a slider that kind of left up and it almost backed up a little bit on him. And then there was another, uh, pitch in that game that was foul, but if it was fair, it would have been a second home run that he allowed. He's given up two home runs and two starts. I think last year it took him seven starts to get to that, uh, level, which is maybe just more of, of kind of an interesting note than anything I'm, I'm super concerned about at this point. The one other thing that I'd say I noticed this year watching the video compared to the video that I watched last year um, was just the, the fastball command. It looks like he's been yanking pitches a little bit more frequently than I remember him doing that a year ago. I, I remember just being blown away with his ability to spot the fastball wherever he wanted. It looks like he's still trying... Um, to get that command back Uh, and also i think maybe it's it's probably important to note that a lot of the video that i've watched on Dolander most recently is later in the year when i'm sure he's able to kind of work out some of the early season rust Um, so i'm not concerned at all about Dolander, but um, i am looking forward to seeing how that fastball command uh, continues to to progress and, and get to where he was last year
2: Yeah. And to your point about the slider, um, it was the same thing against Arizona. He hung a slider and it backed up on him against Tony Bullard and he deposited over the left field fence. So I think as time goes on, he's going to be able to find more consistent, more consistency in that pitch. We saw it last year. He's a good pitcher. He's a great pitcher. Um, And then, like you said, he's he's been spraying the fastball a little bit, particularly to the glove side. Um, and if you just look at his stats, you're going to be like, there are no command issues here. He's watched two guys in 10 innings, but he's getting deep into counts. There've been a lot of hitters counts. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he'd like to work ahead a little bit more. Um, and so I'm, I, I I'm very confident that Dolander will get to that form that everyone is looking for him to get to. He came in with sky high expectations that Mm -hmm. were very difficult to live up to. So, this uh, this weekend, they've got Gonzaga, and, and he'll face some quality hitters with Cade McGee um, in that lineup. So
1: I, I think he'll figure it out. For sure. I think you you highlighted two points that I feel like are really important to make. And the first is, is the second one that you mentioned, and the fact that players who come into the season with these expectations often get nitpicked more critically than any other player just because you're expecting a 1-1 candidate. And when you don't see him on any given outing, It almost feels like a disappointment even if if you're looking at a pitcher who was just a first round talent or was a day one talent you'd go away maybe feeling a lot differently about that outing In the second one i think was the difference between command and control i think it's always worth like emphasizing the difference in those two and the fact that it's it's very tough to it's impossible to to tell command if you're just looking at box scores and results um so that's just another point to hammer home that i think is an important one um but Peter, I want to go to a player in the 2024 class who you were all over in the off season, and now you're looking like a, a bit of a savant with what he's done so far in the college baseball season. And that's Jock Caglianone, who is looking like the college Shohei Otani after our first two weeks. What have you got on on Jock, and why were you able to uh, to kind of identify this guy before before he started blowing up?
2: Well, I'm lucky I did. He was always a guy out of high school, um, had huge draft interest and opted mm-hmm. to head to Gainesville and play for Coach O'Sullivan and company. But from a profile standpoint, uh, he's one of one in college baseball, regardless of draft class. He's a six-five weekend starter in the SEC who just so happens to have 70 raw power, I'm ready mm-hmm. to say, and a, a pretty advanced hit tool as well. I mean, he's not just up there looking to drive the ball out of the yard. He's got mm-hmm. a little bit of an approach to him, too. But starting on the mound, I, I think that it's so tough because this is what I think about literally as I fall asleep at night is like, <laughs> where is Jack Cagliano going to play at the pro level? <laughs> and and there's a lot of time for everyone to figure that out. And But early on, I, there's no reason for me to think that he's not going to do both, at least to start. But on the mound, he's up to 99. Fastball is just explosive he moves really well i mean he's six five but he's super athletic he's nimble over at first um he moves well on the mound
0: Mm
2: -hmm. um gets a ton of swing and miss with the fastball but at the plate it is it is otherworldly this weekend was kind of his coming out party with three home run game against cincinnati then of course he follows it up in the midweek game yesterday with another jack to give him seven on the year
1: Um, yeah, right but, now he's hitting, as we record this on Wednesday afternoon, it is Wednesday, right? Yeah. Wednesday, March 1st, as we record, he's hitting four twenty uh, seven home runs. That just seems insane. Two doubles. Um, he's got two walks to five strikeouts and then on the mound, he's thrown 11.1 innings, 15 Ks, five walks, 2.38 ERA. Um, not bad, not bad at all.
2: <laughs> I was going to say not bad at all. And then he's he's just been at the plate has been otherworldly because last year he was able to hit some he was coming off of tommy john so his activity on the mound was was completely shut down but he was able to hit and in the flashes that he showed like he showed this in the tank it was more inconsistent last year he he logged over 100 at bats ended up hitting a very respectable i think around 290 with seven jacks which he has in nine games this year, but <laughs> um, it's a really rhythmic swing. He's got thunderous bat speed, 70 raw power. Um, there aren't really a ton of moving parts to it. Like I said, he's got a, a really good approach to him as well. Mm-hmm. There are, the miss rates are a little bit high, but like, I'm not going to nitpick impact, it. Yeah. I, I'm not going to nitpick that based on what he's doing. If he was hitting like 230, then maybe I would, but I mean, the exit velo of 118 uh, this weekend was mm-hmm. that was maybe the most impressive and then he the other two home runs were like 110 and 115. so he's a guy that i know that we'll talk about guys that we're in love with for the 23 class later but already for 24 i think he's he's right in that picture to be selected first overall
1: yeah that's a fun one uh there's something about florida sophomores who are just having monster years so is it safe to say you like him better as a hitter because i'm just looking back at our high school report on him and it seems like most of the scouting industry was a little more excited about him on the mound um he had been up to 95 97 at that point as a high school left-hander so it's not shocking to see why and i do think it's maybe more common for these two-way players um to get more excited about them as pitchers because especially when you don't maybe know as much about the pure hitting ability um but it sounds like you're more excited about him as a hitter if you had to pick one
2: yeah i was gonna on the mound he, his pro future might be out of a bullpen if a yep. team reuse him. I could see him being kind of a shutdown late inning guy. Um, I think he screams that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the dish, I I think it's going to be really hard to take the bat out of his hands eventually, just with the impact that he's already had, um, the exit Vila's he's posted. Um, And also combine that with a hit tool that looks to be above average. I think that that's a guy who you're going to want to impact the middle of your order as Mm -hmm. a pro organization. Um, So I I think his future is eventually as a full-time hitter. um, But I wouldn't be totally shocked to see a team try him even as a starter in -hmm. professional ball or even as that kind of late inning reliever where I think he could really um, be lights out.
1: Yeah. And hey, Bubba Chandler did the two-way experiment for a few years early in his pro career. It looks like he's probably going to start pitching full-time now this year, but teams seem more open-minded to at least letting players attempt the two-way situation, uh, certainly early in their careers. Uh, Maybe sometimes they do that just so they can sign a guy, but hey, uh, the option is there. Another player that I wanted to talk about who impressed me, um, and this is because I saw him in person uh, and also because the performance is great, And I'm curious what you think about this player. It's Braden Taylor, Texas Christian third baseman. Uh, He was phenomenal for me at the College Baseball Showdown. I think I entered the year really liking him overall just because I I love players who have advanced approaches. And he – I always used to say, oh, Corbin Carroll has the best amateur approach and batting eye that I've ever seen. And I think Taylor is probably – Uh, maybe termar johnson was here as well last year but i think taylor certainly would jump into that category for me just with what he's done in the first two years how he looked this past weekend the chase rates he consistently walks more than he strikes out he has good bat to ball skills and i think if you just look at the numbers maybe you could you could think oh he's just a passive hitter uh, who's looking to take a walk that's that's definitely not the case i think he just has a very advanced approach. He knows what he's looking for. He gets into good hitters counts. And then when he's in good hitters counts, he looks to do damage. Um, I think there might be a question about what the overall impact is at the end of the day. He's not the biggest player ever. The exit velocities uh, from 2022 are more just kind of middle of the pack. Um, But this year he's shown some power to the pull side. And I think he does everything well from a defensive standpoint, a running standpoint, a throwing standpoint. Um, And if you're looking at just solid all around tools, but you feel very confident about a plus hitter with some pull side power, who's going to stick in the dirt somewhere. That's a really attractive profile. Maybe not the highest upside guy in this class, but maybe one that you feel some of the most confidence about where are you at on Braden Taylor, who I think has maybe one of the prettiest swings in this class.
2: I agree on all fronts. I I know he's a guy that you and I are both high on. I saw him Mm -hmm. this summer and last summer a lot on the Cape and I was blown away even as a freshman, like you said, the approach was what stuck out is what stood out immediately. Yeah, um his ability to read spin out of the hand, see the ball. Um, he's not a passive hitter in the slightest. Like you were saying, he just he knows exactly what he's looking for. Um, he's able to identify pitches kind of in his go zone and just pounce on him.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the chase but- rate is down. It was thirteen percent in his career. His first two years with TCU is down to eleven percent right now. And the, the two times, I think it was two times, or at least two that I remember off the top of my head, opening weekend when he swung and missed, they were not like bad swings. They were basically him in a 2-1 or 3-1 count seeing a changeup. It's actually a really good pitch. There was one changeup that was thrown in a 3-1 count. He was looking fastball and took a just fantastic swing and swung over it, which I have no problem with that swing and miss. And I think in general, he's a guy who's just not going to have very many of those poor swing decisions. But I, didn't mean to I do
2: agree. I think if. Yeah, I think the approach is going to stick. Even just like looking at the – he hasn't seen a ton of secondaries, but the chase rate is also really low on secondary pitches. Mm -hmm. He's very comfortable against left-handed pitchers too. It's just – I think from a profile standpoint, it's a really safe high floor kind of pick. I think you're looking at at the end of the day an everyday big league third baseman um, who's going to still hit probably (laughs) – I'd say maybe twelve to seventeen home runs, I'd mm-hmm. say is a is a decent label to stick on him.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that's fair.
2: And it might the seventeen is probably at a high end, um, I'd say right now, but I there is still some room to add some physicality to his frame, but mm-hmm. I think he's gonna really be able to hit and pound the ball into the gap at a high level, um, and then be a fine defender at third. It's not gonna mm-hmm. blow you away, but he's he's perfectly fine over there and, and yep. will be an adequate pro defender.
1: The the power will be interesting moving forward to see, because I do feel like he, he probably is going to be one of those hitters who's able to maximize the raw power that he taps into in-game just because the swing seems like perfectly optimized to do damage, and he is such a smart hitter. I think the barrel control is really advanced. Um, but like you said, I think there's a little bit of room to add some strength. He's listed at 6'1", 180 right now, still a pretty lean body, uh, and he actually turned in some better run times than I expected. I got one-plus run time out of the box. I don't think he's going to be a plus runner on average. Um, But the fact that that was in the tank was cool to see. So definitely becoming one of my favorite profiles in the class. Um, Who do you have next, Peter? Who else uh, has been impressive to you? Or do you like in this? uh, I'd say in the first two weeks of the season, who's impressed you doesn't, doesn't have to be 2023 class community class you want.
2: Sure. I guess I'll jump back to the 2024 class and say Nick Kurtz. um, He's another first baseman like Cagley known. Um, But for my money's worth in the 24 class, I think he might have the the best pure hit, hit tool. It's a, it's a lofty label to stick on him. But I've talked to a lot of scouts
1: mm-hmm.
2: in these first couple of weeks who have seen him, and they are blown away. Even after the freshman year he had, which was outstanding, um, this year he's just taken it to another level. It's yeah. an advanced approach, really similar to Taylor. Um, he's got super long limbs, and sometimes with a guy like that, their swing can be out of sync. There's a lot of swing and miss to it. Kurtz has a really compact load. He's got a really tight swing, um, and he uses his long limbs to an advantage. I mean, there will be balls that are like two or three balls off the plate, and he'll just throw his arms and flick it down the <laughs> left-hand line for a double because he's got big-time natural strength. Um, he's a good defender over at first base. He's got raw power to all fields. People mm-hmm. will discount it because Wake... They they'll say that wake is a launching pad, it's a bandbox, but yeah,
1: I'm I'm surprised that that still happens so often because I mean even with Brock Wilkin, he was showing 70 grade raw power at where pretty much wherever whatever field he's at, so I don't feel like it's too terribly tough to figure out the wake inflated homers versus the guys like a Brock Wilkin or a Nick Kurtz. I mean, just looking at them physically, I think it's very easy to say that they could hit the ball out of whatever park they're standing in.
2: Yeah, physically Kurtz is a monster. And like you were saying, none of it I don't think any of his home runs that he's hit in his weight career, maybe a few, but none that I have seen have been kind of cheap home runs or a byproduct of the ballpark in which he was playing. I I I think that at least this year for sure, in all four that he's hit, they'd be gone at almost every field in America, probably every field in America. Um And and he's just got such a pretty swing. He's a he's a barrel magnet at the plate, and he's got he's got such a great feel to hit. And he's he's an athletic mover over at first base, a great defender. Um, I know people might get scared of the first base profile come draft time, but
1: that's what I was going to bring up next.
2: He's athletic enough where I would not be shocked that either in his wake career or when he eventually gets to professional baseball next year, um, next summer, 2024 summer, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: um, if a team tries him in a corner outfield spot, because he moves well, the arm's fine. um, He could absolutely, I think, hold his own out there. So I'm interested to see where a team might eventually use him.
1: Yeah. Yeah that one's fascinating because i think the profile we were when me you and ben badler were putting together our 2024 overall rankings one of the questions ben had was hey we've got nick kurtz and tommy white who are two corner profiles juiced up pretty far um after this conversation it makes me feel like seven for nick kurtz might even be too low at this point but i do think your point about the profile is an interesting one because there have been some players drafted at the top of the board in recent years andrew vaughn spencer torkelson jacob Berry. um Obviously, it's very early for all those guys in their career, but it's it's scary to take a player who's limited defensively that high. You have to feel confident in the bat, but it really sounds like Kurtz checks off all the boxes to profile there. He sounds like a significantly better athlete than Jacob Berry, who played outfield last year for LSU and didn't look great doing it, and was drafted as a third baseman and got some time at third base in pro ball. So, I feel like if Jacob Berry can get a, a tryout at, at third base, then. Kurtz can get a tryout in, in a corner outfield spot it might be tougher for him to play third base considering the handedness but um, yeah he sounds like a good mover
2: yeah I was gonna say and no disrespect to Jacob Berry but that's also a great point that if a team's willing to try him in a different position um, just given what we know about his defense uh, to put it that way um, I, I Nick You're Kurtz will be just fine in a corner outfield spot I dating way back actually to to my area code days in 2020 my Yankees days. Um, mm-hmm. we actually had him in right take some reps and right field at a workout, and the body definitely hasn't regressed, it's probably progressed into more of a pro physical body. Um, and he was just fine out there. The the arm was average, moves awesome. well. Um, and again, uses his long limbs to his advantage, um, gets to gets the balls pretty easily, doesn't take a lot of stride. So um yeah, I, I think he's right there with Jack Caglionone and Vance Honeycutt and in that kind of A tier of 2024 draft guys. And That's I know awesome. you've got another one that might be in that A tier, at least in arms, down in um, down in Arlington.
1: Yeah, Hagen Smith is a left-hander in the 2024 class. He was probably the most impressive pitcher that I saw at the College Baseball Showdown, and, and just the raw stuff that he showed. It's it's almost similar to. How we were talking about with Paul Skeens, the ability to hold that velocity deep into his outings. I think I had mentioned it to, to you guys in, in our BA Slack while I was watching the game. It was the fourth inning, I think, and he had just finished, and I hadn't seen a fastball slower than 94 miles per hour. Uh, this year, after two games, he's averaging 95 on the fastball from the left side. The slider has looked like a plus pitch. It's 86 to 87, 88. I mean, there are a couple pitches that were classified as a cutter at 90, and I I don't really think that it's two pitches. It, it could be two pitches, but it, it pretty much looked like just a hard slider to me, given the movement that the pitch had. I'm not sure if you have the the data up on him, uh, Peter, to clarify if he is throwing a slider and cutter. But to me, it looked like one pitch that kind of blended in shape a little bit, but was overall pretty consistent. Um, and his ability to maintain that stuff, the strikes that he threw, he dominated, and I'm trying to think of the last time I, I guess I'll just say that anytime you see a left-handed pitcher throwing stuff like that, you immediately get really excited. I was expecting to see low nineties velocity and more of like pitchability. ability. Um, I guess thinking back to our high school reports, because he also dominated in high school at Texas. I think he threw like seven no hitters during his uh, spring season as a senior, but scouts at the time were very hesitant because the competition he played was so bad and, he was just shoving against some of the better hitters in college baseball. So that was a fantastic start to see. Let me see his first two starts this year. Uh, it was against Texas. He threw five innings, struck out eight, walked two. Uh, against Eastern Illinois, he threw 4.2, allowed three hits, struck out six, walked three. He still hasn't allowed a run. I do think there's a bit of effort to the delivery. It's not the, it's not the cleanest. It's not the easiest. Um, but he repeated the release point pretty well. Uh, was around the zone enough to let this stuff play. Um, so it's just a really exciting power left-handed pitcher who I imagine is going to jump a few arms in front of him uh, on our next 2024 update. He was fun to watch.
2: Yeah, I, I think so too. And that's awesome. You got to see him in person. Um, and from a delivery standpoint, I think that, like you said, it's something that he'll have to clean up eventually. Um, but for now it it kind of plays into his strengths with the stuff he's got because it's a delivery that he can repeat well. It's a really tough slot. It's kind of a low to mid three-quarter slot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also some deception with his lower half movement. There's a little bit of, I, I think, at least from a deceptiveness standpoint, some positive herky-jerkiness. It's like yep. the hitters are really off balance. Um, and I was, I'm was, i with you. The fastball velocity uptick was was really great to see. I was not expecting him to average 95 on that pitch. Um, let alone get up to 97 in the slider. Again, I think it profiles as a as a plus pitch and a true out pitch down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that development of a third pitch um, will be key for him. I'm, I'm interested to see what emerges as that. But like you said, I think I was looking at synergy on him before we got on, and, and there were a couple of cutters mixed in there, and I'm not sure if it was intentional or if mm-hmm. it was kind of a shorter slider, but... Yeah. Um, Again, he's a lefty start. He's a lefty guy, pro starter, I think. And um, he also in that- pitch.
1: And this is just a random nugget on. I was looking over like how I was writing up his his delivery, but he also threw from the first base side of the rubber, which I really like when when a left handed pitcher can get on that side of the rubber and actually still throw strikes because that just adds to the deception. I feel like um, I won't tell JJ that I talked about uh, a player where he stood on the rubber because he could go on for hours about this. I don't know if you know Peter, but. JJ went down a few wormholes uh, in his day with with look analyzing very detailed and very deeply changes in pitchers stuff and results once they switch from first base to third base out of the rubber. Um, but I digress on that. Is there any other player that you want to mention who's jumped out to you before we get to maybe your overall thoughts on this year's draft class?
2: Yeah, Hurston Waldrop was the last one that has really jumped out to me um, at Florida Southern Miss transfer uh he's always had some of the most explosive stuff at the college level even dating back to last year as a sophomore um fastball was up to i think 102 at one point at least on a stadium gun Mm -hmm. um and then it's two just hellacious breaking balls the slider being i'd say a 70 grade pitch and this year it's it's been even better there's always there's always been some effort to his delivery which some people are a little concerned about but he's a really good athlete it's pretty clean arm action um, the fastball shape is elite combined with the velocity. He's mm-hmm. been up to 99. He held 94 into the sixth inning, which was really impressive. And then, kind of like Skeens' slider, the biggest development for him, at least in my eyes, has been that split change emerging. So as, it's demonic. Um, just emerging as I think is a double plus pitch. Um, I looked up the miss rate on it last night. It's got a 61% miss rate. Yeah, he, like he, has,
1: he has thrown the pitch uh, per synergy. He's thrown the pitch 27 times, uh, 18 times people have swung at it, and he has 11 misses on that pitch alone. It's it's incredible.
2: <laughs> and it, he's comfortable throwing it to both right-handed and left-handed hitters. It's hard at 87, 89, but it just absolutely dives off the table mm-hmm. like five to seven feet from a plate. It's it, it's. It's a really special pitch. So he's got three plus pitches in his arsenal. Um, I, I mean, I, I think he's definitely a starter at the next level, too. Um, and he moves super well. It's really clean mechanics. He he cleaned up his delivery a little bit um, this summer down at the, the USA Collegiate National Team. He kind of ditched some unnecessary movements. Um, so he's a guy that has emerged like skeins, maybe not into that 1-1 conversation, but – I, it would not shock me come draft time to see him go in the first 12 to 13, 14, or 15 picks.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if he, he went top 10. I think the last few years, it feels like we really haven't had as much impact college pitching as teams really want to pick at the top of the draft. And the early returns this year are so good on that front, even just with Skeens and Waldrip I mean, Dolander has performed, Rhett Lauder has performed and been solid. I'm sure that louder specifically might be a little polarizing in terms of teams looking for impact. Um, I don't know how much projection there is on louder, but also, I also don't necessarily know that you need to project a ton on him to, to get a quality player. But, but I'm with you on Hurston Waldrip. He was always super exciting for me. I think the arm speed maybe stands out as some of the best arm speed that I've seen in this class. I do wonder how his reputation as a starter or reliever um, will kind of progress this year. I have a few concerns about just the control overall. Where where do you stand on the control? Because for me, I guess what's been very impressive this year is his feel for that changeup has been excellent. I mean, that pitch has been in the zone, getting a ton of whiffs. I think he has a history of having just kind of fringy strike throwing. Um, and there was some effort, But but you made some good points about him cleaning up the delivery. I do think he's a good athlete. I still wonder, though, what is he going to be like over a full season as a starter? If you had to put like your, your percentages on it, I I'd guess enter the year. I was maybe like 60, 40 starter reliever. So pretty, pretty decent reliever risk. I'm not sure how much I've changed on that.
2: Yeah. I, I think that while wow, his first two starts have definitely been encouraging and, have and have looked really good. Like you said, he still gets into some spells where, He'll spray a little bit. He'll have 30, 35 pitch innings. Um, but I think that with that development and also feel for the changeup, which has been most mm-hmm. impressive, his ability to kind of manipulate it um, and throw it for strikes and also yeah. get three and miss with it. Um, I think it's 65, 35 maybe right now, okay. um, at least in my eyes. I think he's 100% trending in the right direction I Agree. Um, if he can keep this up. I'm really curious, like you said, to see where he, to kind of see where the stuff is in May after a full season Mm -hmm. um, as a weekend starter in the SEC. And if it's still holding up how it is now, then, I mean, I think he's a bona fide starter um, in a front end one at that.
1: It wouldn't be surprising at all for me if he wound up pitching on Friday nights for Florida, although Brandon Sproat has been plenty good at times as well. Um, But let's get into thoughts on the class overall, unless there's another player that you want to still touch on, Peter uh, I've, I've talked about how much I really like this draft uh, a lot at this point. I feel like the combination of getting elite high school players to campus like Dylan Cruz or Jacob Gonzalez, who who may have been able to sign out of high school more easily if we didn't have a five-round five draft, uh, the quantity and quality of college shortstops is something that we haven't had in years and the addition of, before the year, just Chase Dolander topping the college pitching class, but now guys like Skeens, guys like Waldrop, guys like Rhett Lauder, I feel like it's just a very strong class overall and maybe one of the ones I've been most excited about since I've covered the draft since, I'll say, going back to 2018, even though I was like partially involved in 2017. Um, I, I really like this draft class, but I think I like it more than the industry based on the feedback we got on our preseason polls. How, how do you view this year's class right now as we as we sit here today
2: i like it a lot and i'll always be partial to it because it's my first class working at ba so there will always be a soft spot for it but i think from a talent uh perspective it's really exciting especially at the college level like you said this is maybe kind of the um we're kind of seeing the i wouldn't necessarily say the benefit of the COVID draft just because no one would have wanted that under the circumstances yeah. but we did see a lot of high end talent that probably would have otherwise signed if there wasn't so much unknown, um, just in that whole time period. But like you said, it, that top half of the college class, and, and there are even guys that right now are in the second or third round, um, that are really good prospects. Um, so that excites me a lot. Um, the high school class is, is, um, is also super enticing to me. You've got guys like Max Clark, um, Walker Jenkins, and then on the mound, Thomas White and Noble Meyer. Thomas mm-hmm. White especially has some of the the biggest upside, I think, of oh, any yeah. pitcher in the draft. Got the um, Massachusetts ties. Exactly. He's a mass kid. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got some stuff to work on and clean up. But um, when it's clicking for him, it, it it's really, really good. It's um,
1: Thomas White specifically, I don't know that I've seen a left-handed pitcher get upper 90s velocity at his age with, with the ease that he does it. It's it's incredibly easy. And there's also another kid in this class, Alexander Clemmy, who Peter, you just mentioned uh, in our Slack the other day, a video, he posted a, a video of him touching 99. I wouldn't say Clemmy does it as easy as Thomas White, but it's it's certainly cool to have two high school left-handed pitchers with the sort of pure arm talent that these guys have.
2: Yeah, big time. And then you look also at Noble Meyer, and it, it's more of kind of the ease of Thomas White with that change up being a big time plus pitch and his slider being a plus pitch. So I'm overall really excited at, at both the collegiate and prep level of this draft class. And I think that, um, you know, if there, there probably will not be a prep guy taken one, one, um, or maybe don't, there will, be. Don't see. tell
1: but Ben Badler that he, he <laughs> he's going to be personally offended when Max Clark doesn't go one one.
2: Yeah. I was <laughs> going to say there might not be a prep guy taken one, one, but, Man, they're the, the top half of this prep class and, and the guys that are kind of first and second rounders right now, they're a really exciting group. And then I know we've also heard of some guys that have performed really well early on who may have not been on that kind of top 100 to 200 radar mm-hmm. that are really trending in the right direction and have a chance to hear, their, hear hear their name called at some point on day one or very early on day two.
1: Yeah, I, I'm very high on it. I think the only two areas that I'm really pessimistic are catcher, and Kyle Teal is doing a lot to uh alleviate my concerns there very early on for Virginia. He's been just hitting everything. Um, and then left-handed pitching, even though we just finished talking about Thomas White and Alexander Clemmie, uh, I think there's probably less depth of left-handed pitchers than you would typically see. But that also could be the fact that the last two years, I think we've had pretty solid groups of, of classes just for left-handed pitchers specifically. But overall, very excited about the class. Uh, Peter, last thing for you, um, because I've already kept you here longer than I told you, but you just had too much good stuff to say about these guys. So I didn't want to cut you off. Uh, who are some of your personal cheese balls in this class? And I think uh, personal cheese ball is a phrase that's, that's been a BA phrase for a while. It basically means a gut feel guy for you, someone you like either more than, than consensus or someone who's ranked lower uh, that you're really high on. So, While I love Dylan Cruz, uh, and I'm sure you love Dylan Cruz, he isn't exactly the guy who would count here just because, of course, we all love Dylan Cruz. Uh, But are there any players ranked lower? And I'll let you kind of draw that line wherever you want. I think it's interesting to talk about players wherever they are on the board. Who are some guys that, that you're personally pretty high on or excited about?
2: Sure. I've got two um, that jump out right away that might not have that day one rank right now, mm-hmm. um, but I think that come draft time, and even if they aren't ranked in that area come draft time, I'll still be pretty high on them. Um, the first I talked about him at length earlier in the podcast is Sean Sullivan from Wake. I yep. think that the the Cooper Jerby comps are real, um, and not just comping him to Cooper Jerby, um, just looking at him as in his own body of work, I think that the upside with him is really, really high. Um, I think that there is top two starter upside in there, especially if he can get into that velocity um, and can continue to perform at a high level. And he's just a true sophomore, um, which is even more impressive because he's a part of this draft class based on his age. Um, but there's always the option that he'll, he will can go back to Wake Forest for another year, which mm-hmm. is scary to think of him pitching the college <laughs> again next year, but... Um, you know, assuming he keeps performing at this level, I mean, there's a chance that, that he hears his name called on day one. I know personally right now, and I've always been super bullish on him, even when he was a high school senior, um, at Tabor Academy up here in mass. Um, I'd personally take him in the top 55 picks or so right now, which
1: again, lofty, but I, I'm that high on him. Hey, you got to stick with your guys. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, One of mine is probably Adrian Santana uh, out of Miami, Florida, Doral Academy. I always have a a soft spot for high school shortstops, and he's a switch hitter. One of the best defensive players in the class. Uh, I loved the swing the first time I saw him. I think it was PDP League last summer. I saw him for the first time, and it was super easy from both sides of the plate. Very clean. uh, Snuck a few balls down the line over the fence. Uh, And I've just heard nothing but good things ever since then. I think we probably have him a little lighter um, than where he's going to be on our next update. He's, he's right outside the top 100, but if he was a couple inches taller and a little bit more physical, I think we'd be talking about him in that same tier of, of high school shortstops like a Colin Houck or a Rock Chalowski up in that range. I think he's just very polished. I'm curious to see, how high he's going to move on our board uh, at the end of the day. So that's one for me. But do you have any others you want to mention?
2: Yeah, Santana's a great player. I'm with you that he's a guy that I'm also really excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I, I love those South Florida guys. Um, I think they're always really good players. Um, I love Colton Ledbetter at Mississippi mm-hmm. State. Um, I'm i know glad you
1: chose him because I feel like he is one of the uh, biggest helium bats in the country right now.
2: Yeah, people were wondering kind of how he would do heading into Mississippi State, and again, he still he still has to play the SEC. Go through the SEC gauntlet, mm-hmm. um, but early on, he has done nothing but impress, and I think has even exceeded everyone's expectations. He's a super athletic guy out in the outfield, um, but at the plate is where he's he's blown me away. The other night, he posted an exit velocity of. 116 he's getting the ball in the air he's got a really good swing um he's got good bat speed it's really you know he gets on plane early and mm-hmm. it, it it's easy backspin it's it's a little bit of a pull heavy approach right now but hey with I those think,
1: results i think that's fine
2: yeah i was going to say he's hitting 400 right now through i think 9, nine games, games yeah, with, nine
1: games he's hitting 400 he's got three three homers uh a triple three doubles nine walks, seven stolen bases, and four punchies.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, combined with the impact numbers, he's also got seven bags. He's an above-average runner, which allows him to play well in the outfield. He's got good range out there. Um, and then the approach has been stellar. Um, it's not just kind of an all-or-nothing guy. So I think that Ledbetter, I'm not sure where exactly we have him ranked, but I know yeah, no, that he's
1: in, the, he's in the 100 to 200 range Um see exactly where I have him I think he's around 130 ish right now so we had him like top five rounds ish but that feels I'm looking at that now and I'm like oh man I want to move him up
2: (laughs) yeah and I was gonna say I know that in the coming days depending on when this comes out we we did a draft exercise too I think that yeah go ahead and spoil it if
1: you want Peter I think listening to this you can you can go check it out on the site
2: yeah I was gonna say make sure to check that out because there are um there are a lot of picks that that both Carlos and I are excited about, but yeah. Um, yeah. Ledbetter is a guy that I'm really, I was in love with him after a summer in the NECBL, which um, for those listening, it's probably the second best summer collegiate league besides the Cape. And he went out there and dominated, won the MVP 11 home runs. He, he had big time impact with wood again, exit velocities over one Oh five. So he's got the makings of someone who eventually is going to play his way into day one status if he hasn't already.
1: Yep. Well, awesome. Uh, Peter, I think that's all we had today. Uh, thank you for coming on. We're going to do this regularly. It was a blast. I hope you guys listening, enjoyed it. Um, before we get out of here, Peter, where can people find you on Twitter? Is there anything you have coming up over the next few days? Anything people should be on the lookout for, whether that's your content or just things, uh, from a college baseball or draft landscape that you think people should know about, um, uh, sure. time to plug whatever you want.
2: Yeah. On Twitter, I'm at Peter G Flaherty, just my name. Um, and then I like to think I do a pretty good job of covering the college game on a daily basis with, um, posting clips, talking about guys that may have stood out, um, talking about games in real time, if there's a really good game going on. Um, and then on the BA site, I do a weekly kind of what to watch for, which will come out on Thursday. Well, yeah, if you're listening to this on Thursday tonight or tomorrow being Friday morning, Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also collaborate with Carlos on our weekly hot sheet with 20 guys that we just write a little blurb about who performed really well, um, which is a lot of fun because we kind of take track record out of it and just Mm -hmm. centralize what we do to a three-game stretch. And then I also write a little bit of a beefier piece on guys that are also performing well, but in a bigger picture, maybe kind of more focused on the draft class, um, looking at guys who are... Improving their stock, who have kind of sustained success over the year. So, um, putting pieces out consistently on the BA site, Twitter has been a lot of fun, and looking forward for everything that's still to come.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and Peter's helping Teddy out on the the College Top Twenty Five every week. So take your hate to him there, and and bring your love uh, to, draft to him here.
2: <laughs> I was going to say the fan the fans on Twitter. That was the one thing I was so surprised about was like they are ruthless, but. i I was gonna say i kind of like it because it shows that people are really into the college game which Mm -hmm. i think was up until the last couple of years was always really overlooked but i love seeing fans passionate about the game passionate about their team um and i'd love to chop it up if you want to hop in my dms or just at me and say like these rankings suck like let's talk about it (laughs) and
1: i'll i'll go through my rationale for it and we can have a polite disagreement oh peter you sweet summer child you the the, the glowing eyes of of doing this very early on. You're going to regret that at some point, Peter. <laughs> You're going to get tired. of No, I'm just kidding. We, we do love uh, chopping it up with you guys on Twitter. Uh, so, so Twitter's handle is there. Uh, we can link it in the show notes. I'm at Carlos A. Colazo. Same deal uh, for me. If you guys ever want to chat on Twitter, I'm there. Uh, but Peter does an excellent job putting out clips, keeping you guys up to date on the college scene, on the draft. So definitely give him a follow. Um, that's going to wrap it up for us for this this week's podcast, I'm not sure how often we're going to do this draft podcast, but um, it's definitely going to be regular, whatever tempo or uh, schedule we we kind of pin down. But I'm um, looking forward to the next one. Uh, and for Peter, I'm Carlos. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for supporting Baseball America and subscribing to the site. If you do, if you don't, maybe think about it. Um, but yeah, until next time, see you later.